Welcome to this week's episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. I have a great guest for you today, Dr. Amy Gelfand. She's a pediatric neurologist and a personal friend, and we're going to talk about melatonin and its use in children. I'm so excited. We have Dr. Gelfand here. We're going to be talking about melatonin and children. And um, we're so lucky to have, I'm so lucky to have her as a resource and as a friend. Um, I've known Dr. Gelfand for over 15 years. I was thinking about it now uh, when you were in medical school with, with my husband and your husband. Yeah. Um, so tell me, tell me about yourself. Tell me um, how... Like, how have you come into the world of studying melatonin? What kind of research have you done? Sure. So, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. This is really fun. And I'm a child neurologist at UCSF, and I specialize in pediatric headache. And my job as a pediatric headache specialist is to try to find treatments for kids and teens with headache disorders that are safe and effective. And about um, eight years ago now, I saw a study showing that melatonin, when taken every night in adults, was effective for decreasing migraine frequency. And it was just as effective as a prescription medication, amitriptyline, and had fewer side effects. In fact, seemed to have uh, no more side effects than the placebo. It was a three-arm study. And that made me think, hmm, I wonder if melatonin could help decrease migraine frequency in kids and adolescents too. So we did a pilot study uh, comparing melatonin three milligrams to placebo sugar pill for 12 to 17 year olds. And it looked very promising. So now we're in the process of analyzing the results of a bigger study. And then we also looked at using somewhat higher doses of melatonin to treat migraine in the moment, so-called acute treatment to see if that can help in addition to maybe making someone feel a little bit tired, but help with uh, stopping a migraine attack. And that also looked promising. So those have been the places where my personal research and interest has overlapped in the melatonin world. That's great. That's so, it's so exciting too, that you're showing promising results. So when you say promising results, you're showing fewer headaches in these kids that got melatonin? Exactly. So it was a pilot study. So it wasn't big enough to say whether that's a real effect or whether that was due to chance. And that's why we're trying to do uh analyze a bigger study to look at this, but the number of headache days was lower in the melatonin treated group versus the placebo group. That's great. Now, okay. So Amy, tell me what's the theory behind why melatonin might help with headaches? Is there a reason why that is? Yeah, it's a really good question. And the honest answer is we don't know, but I think that there are at least two possibilities. One possibility would be through improving sleep, good sleep, probably helps with decreasing migraine frequency. The other possibility, which I actually favor, is that taking melatonin regularly helps to regulate an area of the brain called the hypothalamus. It's an area of the brain that um, manages appetite, mood, sleep-wake cycles, and it's involved in the start of migraine attacks. And I think that nightly melatonin supplementation is helping keep that area of the brain well-tuned and through that mechanism, decreasing migraine frequency, maybe completely independently of improving sleep, but it's also possible that improving sleep is part of the mechanism. Okay. Really interesting. I'm glad there's researchers like you out there. (laughs) Um, Okay. So tell me, do you think like the big question I get from parents, there's a lot, a lot of parents struggle with sleep in their kids. They wish their kids slept better. It's a very, um, 
stressful, stressful for families when kids aren't good sleepers. So they ask me all the time, do I think melatonin is safe for kids? And so in your research and your experience, what do you, what do you have to say about that? I do. I think melatonin is safe for kids. I, I've read about this a lot. I think about this a lot. One of the things I think about is, you know, our, our brains and our bodies evolve to, uh, experience darkness from sunset to sunrise. And right now it's, it's the first day of fall today. And, um, where I live, the sun sets around seven right now in the evening and, and rises around seven in the morning, but we keep the lights on for, hours after um, sunset, you know, three, four, five hours, depending on the time of year. And our bodies, you know, when our eyes see darkness, they tell our uh, area of the brain of the hypothalamus to make melatonin. And when our eyes see light, even a little bit of light, that melatonin production gets blocked. And so I think to myself, for hours every night, we're actually blocking our, our melatonin production um, compared to what it would have naturally been. And so part of me wonders, you know, how much have we taken away from ourselves just from using electrical lighting? And we're not going back, obviously. It's it's helpful and it's the way of modern society. But sometimes I think... Anything of, are going forward, right? Yes, yeah, there's more and more light and there's more and more devices. But um, sometimes I think of it as, well, maybe we're giving back a little bit of what we took away from that. Uh, the other place where we get melatonin and, and don't even think about it is in our food. So melatonin can be found in nuts, fish, eggs, certain fruits. Um, and so it is something that we're, we're ingesting exogenously outside the body, you know, all the time. And so supplementation, I think of as just another way of doing that, though, of course, the, the amount that's found in food might be less than, than what's found in the supplements. It, it might depend on, on what you're eating and how much of it. I didn't know it was in food, actually. So yeah, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then is there an age that you've looked at? Like, is there an age where kids have had supplements um, that you would say is too young? Or is there an age cutoff when we've seen melatonin studied in children? So in in my research, in our acute treatment study, we, we studied 5 to 17-year-olds. And in our nightly preventive study, it was 12 to 17-year-olds. But there has definitely been research uh, in other areas looking at sleep in children or um, sleep in children with autism, where it's gone down much younger, even you know two-year-olds. I also, in my child neurologist reading, there's um, some data looking at using melatonin to help babies who suffered from birth asphyxia, where they had some period of time around birth where their levels of oxygen and or blood flow were decreased and they, they had some brain injury. Because in addition to helping with sleep, melatonin has all these other effects in the body. And, and one of them is acting as an antioxidant. Um, and so the, the goal with this research looking at melatonin for birth injury in babies is that its antioxidant effect might help to minimize the extent of brain injury. And in, in those studies, babies have been given um, pr- what we would think of as high doses if we were thinking about supplements, 10 milligrams per kilogram through an IV. And if you wow. think a typical baby is three kilograms, that's 30 milligrams through an IV. And so the, the safe dosing range for melatonin seems to be quite broad. There's not a lot of toxicity there. So I think it is something that it's not so much about age as about um, what you need it for and and what you're trying to accomplish. That's how I think about it. Okay. So you're saying you've seen seen it given in high doses to babies. 
mm-hmm. and they've done okay. Right. For a different reason than sleep, but they've done, they tolerated it okay. Right. Okay. And are there any side effects that you've noticed from kids getting melatonin? Sure. So I would say sometimes kids will tell me that they have more vivid dreams when they're taking melatonin, not necessarily nightmares, but just more vivid dreams. And about 5%, I would say, would say that in the morning they feel more tired, fatigue uh, in the morning. When they say that, I always double check that the kind of melatonin that they're using is the immediate release formulation and not a sustained release formulation. Most of the -the over-the-counter formulations are the immediate release, but if it is the sustained release, that might be part of why someone has an issue with morning tiredness. If if they're taking an immediate release one and it's still an issue, we can sometimes lower the dose to get around that. But other than a little bit of um, issues with funny dreams or um, morning tiredness, I personally clinically don't see a lot in the way of side effects. Okay, that's good to know because it's definitely mm-hmm. marketed a lot now for children and sleep. So right. that's good. And then is there um, is there a starting dose that's recommended for melatonin? Do you have, um, I know there's a range, sometimes I'll see one milligram, three milligrams. How do, how do parents know how much to give their children? Right. So if you're giving it to them for sleep, I think that it's really reasonable and Obviously, they, on any individual child, please talk to your pediatrician first. But I think um, somewhere between half a milligram, one milligram, two or three would be fine as a starting dose and then could be moved up. If you're starting it for mel- for migraine treatment to decrease frequency of migraine, we usually start kids at three milligrams. Um, if, they're, if they're really little, we might start lower than that. But that was the dose that was studied in adults is three milligrams nightly. So I think the dose depends a little bit what you're using it for. But for sleep, I think you can start at one or two milligrams and then work your way up. Um, some studies in kids have gone, you know, five, 10 milligrams, maybe even 12 milligrams. So there's certainly been um, a relatively broad dosing range used in kids for sleep. And I think that's a good principle in general with children is to start with the lowest dose mm-hmm. and then gradually work your way up. So that's good to know. So maybe start at a half milligram a milligram and then work your way up. That's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there's um, there's so many different formulations for melatonin. And of course, that can be a, a blessing and a curse where we want to make sure it's a high quality supplement, but you can find different dose uh, sizes in, in almost any kind of formulation. And, um, you know, for younger kids who don't swallow pills yet, there are gummies, there are chewables, there are things we can cut in half to, to make it work out for whatever dose we're trying to achieve. Now, this is, um, I don't mean to promote any brand or, you know, any right. particular brand, but is, is there one that you really like that's not long acting, that is immediate acting, that, that doesn't have additives? Is there your go-to that you would recommend to families to start with? Yeah, right. So I, and I don't have any conflicts of interest with any companies that make melatonin supplements. Good Day Chocolates did donate their product for our acute migraine treatment study. Oh, okay. um, good day chocolates. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They have, they have these like uh, one milligram pieces that are, that uh, are in sugar, but they're in chocolate, but they're, um, they do have a milligram of, of melatonin in them. So ones that I've worked with for um, either clinically or, or in research studies, um, Nature Made has a two and a half milligram gummy, which, okay. uh, so kids don't have to be able to chew or swallow pills. And you can cut that in half if you need to, to get one and a quarter milligrams. Um, Natrol brand, rugby, 
nature made, all of those I think make high quality supplements. One resource that I really like, and I, I direct um, families to it. And again, I don't have any relationship with this website. It's labdoor.com. L-A-B-D-O-O-R.com. They independently review a number of different supplements and test to see, do they have in them the dose that they say they do? Do they have other kind of additive ingredients that we don't want? And so I like to look at that website whenever I'm um, thinking about different kinds of supplements for migraine treatment. Um, And I, I give it to a lot of our family so they can look at it and see what they're comfortable with and then make an informed decision that way. That's, that's perfect. Um, now sort of as a sidetrack here with, with melatonin, another comment that I get a lot, if parents feel comfortable taking it, there's a lot of fear about developing tolerance to melatonin. They're worried, okay, give it to my kid once, but will they get used to it? And I understand that concern because a lot of medications you can build a tolerance to, um, what do you find with melatonin? Do, do kids get used to it? Do they build a tolerance? It's a super important question. You know, from what I can see, I don't think so. I would like to see us have more long-term studies on this because most of the studies of melatonin in kids have been on the order of a couple of weeks to a couple of months. But there have been been a few longer-term studies. For example, um, one in kids who took melatonin for about... Uh, three years, relatively small study, but no issues seen there with that type of a problem. Another one, kids with autism who were taking it for sleep difficulties, took it for about two years. Um, again, no difficulties seen in that regard. So I don't think that that's an issue. I think that our bodies, since, since there is um, sort of month to month fluctuation in the length of days, and there's some dietary fluctuation in how much melatonin we're bringing in. I think that our bodies are able to ramp up and ramp down as needed in okay. producing our own melatonin. So I don't think that taking it every night suppresses or inhibits our own ability to produce melatonin when we need to. One thing that I think might happen though, is that if somebody who has difficulty with sleep, if they've, they've got insomnia and they've started using melatonin to help manage uh, falling asleep, Sometimes I wonder if the other elements of a good sleep hygiene program sort of fall by the wayside and and become a little bit lax. And then when they run out of melatonin or or don't have it with them for whatever reason, and they feel like they can't fall asleep because they haven't developed those other elements of sleep hygiene that are important. So I think it's still really important to, you know, have your winding down routine in the evening, the relaxing things that help us all decompress, making sure that the room is dark it's not too hot, um, that we've thought about all those other sort of things that go into good sleep and don't just say like, okay, we solved that with, with melatonin and, and forget about it. Because I think that sometimes when people say it's not um, working for them or, or they've become reliant on it, I wonder if it's something about not having developed or maintained a good sleep hygiene program as well. I think that's an excellent point because I tend to favor, you know, parents talk to me about their kids' sleep difficulty. My first go-to is to talk, is to review sleep hygiene to make sure they have a good routine. Like you're pointing out, uh, you know, good, a good nighttime routine, make sure they have quiet time, lights are off, uh, whatever that routine is, pajamas, a bottle, how, for whatever age the child is, reading time. Um, and I like to reserve melatonin sort of uh, as a recommendation if they're really struggling to get them out of a rut or maybe they're, uh, traveling somewhere and they're out of their normal routine. Um, but I think 
my first preference for families is to mention good sleep hygiene. And then I reserve melatonin if they're having trouble uh, in the day-to-day sleep department. What do you, what do you think about that? Is that, I think that makes so much sense because I think we have to, all of us, even adults, we have to think about sleep hygiene and maintaining that even if we do also need or benefit from using something else like melatonin to help with sleep. So I think it's interesting too, because the idea about melatonin helping headaches, um, it's so interesting because I think a lot of us really are sleep deprived and I know being sleep deprived Mm -hmm. is a headache trigger. So it makes sense that melatonin could be a benefit to someone who has headaches. Yeah. You're doing great research. It's something I think is really interesting to look at. And, um, you know, I think we certainly need more long-term studies for exactly some of the questions that you're getting at, but at least from what I've seen so far, I think it is something that can help with decreasing headache frequency. And I don't think that it causes uh, anything clear in the way of side effects, other than the things we've talked about a little bit of uh, morning sleepiness. Thank you. Okay. Any, any last thoughts or anything else you want to add about melatonin? This has been great. I think people are really going to enjoy hearing about this. I think those are the main things, you know, the other concern that sometimes comes up for people is this question of whether melatonin can um, have an effect on puberty. And I think that this comes from um, melatonin can block ovulation in seasonal breeding animals. I think that's mostly wow. to you know help make sure that, that the young are born at the right time of year. But um, so that concern that's has arisen. Yeah. And that concern has arisen for um, whether it, whether it would delay puberty in kids if you're taking melatonin. Um, and again, we don't have a lot of long-term studies, but we do have a couple that have looked at this, uh, over, over the course of melatonin use for a couple of years. And it doesn't appear that using melatonin results in any kind of delay in puberty onset in human children. Uh, We need bigger studies. We need more studies, but at least from what I can see so far, it doesn't seem like that's an issue. So if that's something else that's in the back of somebody's mind, um, I don't comes think up on the, that it's that, something that's happening. That comes up when they Google search it or. Yes. Here, here. Okay, good. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you so much. This is great.